Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. It is the Hey Mary Kay edition and of course, we've got lots of questions from our Football Insider subscribers about Baker Mayfield and the state of the Browns offense. So Mary Kay Cabot and I discuss all of that on today's podcast. Now, if you want to become a Football Insider subscriber, I tell you how to do it all the time, but seriously, you've got to check it out. And with Christmas coming, you can even make it a gift. Go to cleveland.com slash browns, click the blue banner at the top of the page. Get the info there, get signed up for that daily newsletter delivered right to your inbox. It's written by one of our Browns reporters. Become one of our text subscribers. And, of course, get access to those exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash browns. Again, it's cleveland.com slash browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. Get info, get signed up, give it as a gift, whatever you want to do, just become a Football Insider subscriber. Okay, here we go. Our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. And here we go on our Tuesday Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Mary Kay, let's get right to it. As you would expect... There are a lot of Baker Mayfield questions. So I'm going to I'm gonna just start with this one, and I think this just leads to the bigger discussion overall about Baker Mayfield and Kevin Stefanski. But this comes from Mike in Brooklyn, Ohio. And he says, hey, Mary Kay, do you believe that Baker would want to run more no huddle and be more up-tempo where he can call plays at the line of scrimmage? And I think this is even a bigger discussion of does Baker maybe want to have a little more control uh, of, of kind of what they're doing on the field. So uh, what do you think of Mike's question? And then just generally speaking, a day after the Kurt Warner interview, I mean, you, you've been doing a lot of reporting on this. W- where do things kind of stand with this whole Baker play calling, all, all of that? Well, you know, from, from talking to various people throughout the season, I've, you know, come to the realization that, uh, and we've talked about it on this pod and other places before that, uh, Baker would like to have a, a game plan that suits his skill set better. You and I also on this pod have talked about that. Uh, we just talked about it yesterday that, you know, maybe the gunslinger Baker isn't necessarily uh, the right way to go. But I think that he would like to have uh, an offense that just involves more of the passing game, maybe not as much three tight ends, not as much running the ball. And I think the way that, um, you know, the way that this has been portrayed or the way that I've written this kind of was confirmed in post game when he basically came out and said, we got conservative. And I don't think it's the first time he has felt that way. I think he does feel, and I think it shows sometimes in his body language. I think he felt that way in the Detroit game. I think it was one of the reasons he walked off the field. I think he had 
uh, some issues with how things went in that game. And um, so I think that, uh, you know, that he would like things called differently. I, you know, I just strongly feel that there has been a little bit of a disconnect in that way. I don't know if it's ever been verbalized inside the building. Uh, I don't know if it's something that they have discussed openly. I don't know if it's something maybe they touched upon in the bye week. I don't know. Uh, but there is some kind of vibe that Baker would like to be able to uh, run uh, a different offense, maybe more three wides, maybe some four wides, you know, open things up a little bit and have it be more of a pass oriented situation. And if it's not going to be that, then I have to wonder too, uh, you know, if this is gonna, going to be a match going forward for both sides. And you know, I've written before that the future of Baker Mayfield is a two-way street. And what I meant by that was too, that, you know, Baker and his camp, and he has a very strong camp in the same way that Odell did. They are also evaluating his future here in the way that the Browns are evaluating Baker's future here. So it is kind of a two-way street because they don't have to engage in extension talks if they don't want to. They can say, all right, we'll ride this out a little bit and, you know, see how it's going to go. So I think it's something they need to get resolved and fixed kind of late in the game this year to get it, to get that done. Uh, but it's something that will be addressed. Yeah. It's such an interesting dynamic. And, you know, I, we talked about this on the post game pod. It's like Kevin Stefanski in this system was brought in because it supposedly fit Baker. Right. And then we saw what happened with Baker last year, especially when they really went to more play action, more bootleg stuff. We, we kind of saw how it benefited him. And now, it, I don't know, now we're kind of back to questioning how Baker fits in this system again. And it, it just seems like the Browns aren't very interested in opening it up for whatever reason. And I don't know if that's because they don't believe they have the personnel to do it or they don't believe the quarterback can thrive in that setting. Or I, I don't know. It's, it's all so kind of blurry right now. You know what? It is all so kind of blurry right now. And that's why it's very difficult to answer these questions because we don't know if they are not opening it up a little bit more because like you said, they don't have the receivers this year. I mean, the receiving core just isn't anywhere near what they thought it was going to be this year for a number of reasons. I mean, Anthony Schwartz has, has missed three games now with a concussion. He was supposed to be the kind of deep threat after Odell left. Odell's gone. Jarvis Landry hasn't been the Jarvis Landry of old this season, uh, but there's a lot of what came first, the chicken of the egg or the egg. Is it because of Baker Mayfield? Is it because of the receiving court? Is it because of the play calling? Is it a little bit of all of the above? I think it's kind of that. I think it's some Baker injuries. I think it's some receiver deficiencies. I think it's some play calling that, you know, that maybe, gets does get a little bit conservative at times in the second half. I mean, we see the disparity in points first half, second half. Um, so I think it's a little bit of everything. And once again, um, you know, winning covers up a lot of things. And I think they're, I think that they still have a good chance to make the playoffs um, because, because of what is coming down the pike. I mean, the teams that they are playing are struggling somewhat. The Raiders, you know, it's just because of everything that's gone on around them. I don't think all of a sudden the Browns have become this great offense or this great football team. I think the defense has gotten really good. I think the offense is still broken. And I think everything around them is working in their favor uh, and, you know, advancing them along down playoff road. 
but I do think the offense is still broken. And I think that um, I think it's all of the above. And, and we are probably, we might never know what's really going on in all of their minds. Right. Because it's, it's hard to get at some of this stuff, but uh, somehow, some way there is a disconnect. Well, it, we might know at some point during the off season, which, which is another question. somebody had. we'll get to that, but I, I do want to, the injury thing too, is in my mind, kind of where all this starts because Nobody from Alex Van Pelt all the way up to Andrew Barry. We, we've had we've had all of them. No one has really allowed for the injuries to be an excuse for Baker. Whereas Baker has, I don't want to say he's made excuses, but he has at least made his injuries known as this went along. And and it not in a like excuse making way, I don't think, but he's been very clear, like these are the injuries he's dealing with. And I feel like that's part of the disconnect too. And, and that's kind of the part that's public and out there. It really is because you could go look that up. All you would have to do is put all of the team quotes over here about the injury and put all of the Baker quotes over here about the injury. And I mean, this is absolutely well documented, right? Uh, it's not that anybody is calling anybody a liar or anything like that. It's not like no. that at all. It's just that the team from Andrew Barry to Kevin Stefanski to Alex Van Pelt, they've all to a man, they've said, no, you know, the foot's not something that's really going to, uh, you know, hamper Baker. You know him. He's tough. They, they all describe him as tough and willing to play through injuries. So it's not like that. But they're over here saying, you know, no, he's healthy enough to play. He's healthy enough to win games. And Baker's been over here telling Jay Glazer, I have a broken bone in my shoulder. Um, you know, I'm as beat up as I've ever been. He's trying to say, look, there is a significant injury component to why I'm playing the way that I'm playing this season. And they're trying to say, no, we're, we're not going to put any of this on the injuries. So that is one thing. If you had to point to, you know, some, and I did, I, I listed some of the internal sort of things that, that seem to be going on between Baker and the team or Baker and whatever. And I think that's one of them. There is a little disconnect in the injury messaging. Yeah. And even Baker kind of changed how he talked about it at first it was sort of the same thing it was like you know whatever I'm it's still attached right I mean how many times do we hear him say about that shoulder it's still attached <laughs> and then that Thursday night game we we see the report from Jay Glazer and it kind of goes downhill from there um, and again and again I don't feel like Baker necessarily was making excuses I feel like it was more he just kind of wanted it out there like hey I'm, this is what I'm dealing with right now mm -hmm. absolutely I don't feel like I mean Baker Mayfield we we know this about him by now he is tough as nails, right? Never wants to come out of a game, doesn't want to go to the medical tent to have a concussion check, uh, never wants to come out for even one play, will play hurt, will play injured. One of the things that I have marveled at since the moment he got into this league, he was, his, he was kept pretty clean when he was in college. He did not get yeah. sacked very much at all. And I really wondered how he would absorb a blow. Well, I was, uh, I have been amazed by how he takes a hit and pops up from that. I am shocked that he hasn't gotten more injured than he has. I think he is, for the most part, very durable. He doesn't get concussions or he hasn't that we, you know, that we know of. I mean, he hasn't been diagnosed with a concussion since he's been here. He's taken a lot, a lot of hard hits. And there are times when he's down on that field and I'm thinking, even, even yesterday for, for a moment, like, oh boy, this doesn't look good. 
And lo and behold, he comes bounding out of the medical tent. Get out of my way. You know, yeah. I mean, he, he's just a tough guy. And there's there are guys like that. You know, it's like Ben Roethlisberger is like that. They're just indestructible. But so from that standpoint, uh, we know all we need to know about him. So I think, therefore, he can say, look, hey, yeah, I'm playing with a torn labrum. I'm playing with a harness on. I'm playing, you know, with a, a heel and a knee and a groin injury. And it's OK to say that. And also at the same time say, I'm going to go out here and give it my all and try to win a football game. Okay. So here's the question. Um, I, I kind of tease. This comes from Drew in Garden Valley, Idaho. And I, just to warn everyone, we're probably going to do about 50 podcasts on this topic once the, once the season is over. Uh, but there's a good reason. It's what people want to talk about this stuff. And, and it is the biggest overarching story with this team. Hey, Mary Kay, with the latest comments by Baker Mayfield regarding the offensive scheme, is it more likely now that Baker, that Baker and the Browns part ways in 2022? That was a Freudian slip there, Dan Breaker. <laughs> yeah, I think it, yeah, it might have been. <laughs> and, and by the way, by the way, this person says that uh, they have eyes for a quarterback that's going to be in town this week, Derek Carr. Mm. Of course, plays for the Raiders, but that's that's an yeah. aside from our texter. Yeah. And, you know, I think some of this right now, I think Baker and taking the gloves off the way he has a little bit lately in the interview with Kurt Warner and with what he said after the game yesterday, I think he has taken so much crap this season from all corners and all areas from, I mean, you cannot turn on ESPN in the morning after a game without them just hammering away at Baker. And I think he's taking the gloves off a little bit. And I think he's trying to say, look, I'm hurt. We're getting conservative, you know? So I do think there's a little bit of him standing up for himself, speaking up for himself and defending himself because he is basically for all intents and purposes in a contract year. And he's in a blockbuster contract year for the most part, even though he is under contract for next season, this was supposed to be his, Hey, show us what you got because you know, you're ready to get the, uh, the big, almost $40 million a year deal or whatever uh, they have in mind for him. So I think he's standing up for himself and, and trying to say there are circumstances beyond, beyond my control uh, while I'm trying to get this team to the playoffs and trying to, uh, you know, in the process also end up with the extension. So I don't know. I, I don't know. I think I do think some of it depends on what happens in these last four games. But even though I say that, I kind of believe Kevin and Andrew when they do say when they did say these last five games, we're not going to make or break. Baker's future in Cleveland. I do think that, but they are part of the evaluation. They're part of it. So whatever happens in these last four games can maybe tip the scales over towards he's our guy, or they can tip the scales over to maybe he's not our guy. Let's see what happens in 2022. Lots hanging in the balance here. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see like what, what happens if they make the playoffs and I don't know, maybe they win a playoff game. They probably, they would have a home game if they win the division. So I, it all depends on matchups. I I don't love the matchups they have necessarily, but they they probably get to play it at home. So that would help. What happens in that situation? You know, I mean, we've made the um, Kevin's or the uh, Sean McVay, Jared Goff comparison or, and other people have two at times is Mm -hmm. this kind of headed in that direction. And look, Jared Goff took his team to a Super Bowl and also was in the playoffs last year. And they, they still made a move. So mm-hmm. 
I'm just very curious to see how much weight there is. Now, look, if Baker White won a Super Bowl, that would, I mean, that's a, a complete game changer. But, you know, if they like win a playoff game, how does that affect the Browns' decision making? Well, you know what? Here's, here's what I'm starting to think. Uh, I think what it sort of boils down to for the Cleveland Browns uh, is the fact that, you know, do they want to have an elite quarterback running this football team when basically, you know, they've, they've kind of got a, an elite defense going on right now. And this defense is built to go the distance over the next several years. It's a darn good defense, right? There's some issues with the offense that they're going to need to correct in the offseason. But I think the question the Browns are asking themselves right now and will ask themselves in the offseason, do we feel that we need an elite quarterback to run this offense and win Super Bowls for us? If we think we can get it done with a quarterback that is not necessarily going to end up in the top 10 or the top eight, uh, then maybe we go forward. But I think there, that there at least has to be a discussion about whether or not they want to have a top tier elite quarterback to get the job done that they want to get done. I mean, it's just, it's just plain facts, right? I mean, if, if you can find, I mean, the name of the game is, is winning and winning right. Super Bowls. That's what they're built to do. That's what they want to do. And they, they have to ask themselves, is he the guy? Now, maybe he is. Maybe they already think that he is, and this was just a weird year. But it seems to me that the organization is questioning whether or not he is the guy. Right. Well, and the other part of that, too, is, like, how do you – who is that guy, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, the Russell Wilson trade rumors are back on. But the Browns aren't – Cleveland's not on his list, at least right, for, right now. You know, Aaron Rodgers, who knows what's happening there. You know, who's who's going to be available that qualifies as an elite quarterback? So then if none of those guys are available, you have to ask yourself, all right, is it Baker? Is it a slightly better version of Baker? Is it, you know, do we go after a guy like that? Is there a guy in the draft? Is there a, a Mac Jones type guy, right? Like the Patriots just sat and waited for Mac Jones to fall to them and he fits in their system perfectly. Is there somebody in the draft that they like like that? Who's maybe, I mean, this is supposedly a very weak quarterback draft, but if there's a fit that they like, maybe they're into that. And then you'd have a, a guy on a rookie deal for another five years. I, I don't know. There's so many, there's so many ways this could go. Do you bring in a comp? Do you bring in Mitch Trubisky or whoever, some you know, some quarterback that's been thrown away, pull him off the scrap heap and let him come in and see if he can compete. Marcus Mariota, which would be ironic. There, there's so many different ways to answer it, but you're right. I do think it starts with, do you want that elite quarterback? Do you need to have that elite quarterback to win with this team? And then secondly, can you get that guy? Is that guy available to you? Yeah. And just the way that they call plays this season and just the other sort of vibes that, that we've gotten. And I just wonder if you agree with me on this. I just sense that, you know, maybe there is trouble in paradise is a little bit strong, but you know, maybe there is just on, I think on both sides, just sort of a questioning on of whether or not this is the right fit for both sides. Does Baker need to be somewhere where they're going to run a, a, an offense that's more suited to him? 
Uh, and do the Browns want an elite quarterback that can go out and win Super Bowls? I mean, right now, think about this. If you plug now, I'm, I'm not so sure about the offense anymore because of things that have transpired. But think of like if you put plugged a, give me a name of a quarterback. Well, plug- okay, so this isn't an elite guy, yeah. but this is the name our texter brought up, and I, okay. and I do like the guy, and okay. I think he fits in the system actually, like a Derek Carr. Yeah, right. I, if you put a Derek Carr into this system right now with this offensive line, this running game, and this defense, do you think that you'd have a better chance? of winning a Super Bowl or, or making it to the Super Bowl. Um, now, is that enough? Is going up a rung enough? Or would you want to go up to a, like a Deshaun Watson? Too bad for them that Deshaun Watson is in the situation that he's in, because I think that's the caliber of quarterback they would like to have. Right. Well, and he's got a no trade. Russ Wilson has a no trade. Some, right. some of these guys too, you're dealing with no trade clauses. Right. But I think that's ideally, I mean, who wouldn't want that, right? If you could get that, I think that's what they would prefer to have right now. And I think, I mean, I, I, I think there's a, a reason why that no substantive extensive talks have taken place. I think everybody's sort of in wait and see mode, but if they head into next season and he, he starts into next season and just starts to play on that option year, I think the, the chances become greater of this not becoming a long, long-term thing. I mean, I, you know, I, I think you got to have an answer. <laughs> I, yeah. I, that's how I, th- I think going into 2022, you've got to have an answer or at least a really rock solid plan B, which I don't love. I, I think that Tennessee situation is a really rare thing. I mean, nobody knew Ryan Tannehill was going to become what he did. He didn't even, you know, he didn't even win that quarterback competition originally. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know. It, it, it would be a tough sell to go into year five of like, well, I guess we'll see what Baker is. I, I think they'd have to really either go a different direction or just give him the biggest vote of confidence ever without paying him $40 million. Right. Because I think, you know, that can be part of the problem when you don't have that vote of confidence and you don't feel, uh, you just don't feel that 100% overwhelming support. And we, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Remember when I asked Andrew Barry on, on, in his press conference, are you still unequivocally 100% certain that Baker is your quarterback of the future? And he, you know, he didn't say, oh yeah, absolutely. We're just like, this is not the time, you know, there's no sense of urgency. He's under contract next year. He's our guy. We didn't get that. And I don't think that that sort of thing is lost on the quarterback and the quarterback's people, right? I mean, if you asked the Ravens right now, if, although maybe they're, maybe now they're thinking Tyler (laughs) Tyler Huntley's our guy. But I think if you asked, the Ravens, if Lamar was their quarterback of the future today, I think they would unequivocally say yes. And Baker has not gotten that vote of confidence either in the form of a contract or verbally this year. Yeah. I mean, with Lamar, it's stuff. And, you know, look, I don't follow Ravens news every day. Obviously I'm not in, not in the Ravens, whatever you want to call it in that circle. Like, you know, I follow the Browns every day, so I don't know. But it does feel like from the outside looking in, 
the Lamar Jackson extension is inevitable. And the, you know, the Baker Mayfield one is, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> That's how yeah, it feels yeah. to me. Maybe if I covered the Ravens, I'd feel differently, but uh, I don't right. know. Right. And we'll see. Um, I think may also be causing some consternation. I mean, I don't know for sure, because like I said, I don't 100% know if that whole side is 100% convinced that a five-year contract right now is the way to go either. So um, I don't know. It's going to be an interesting <laughs> offseason in that regard. Okay, let's uh, – Rico and Cleveland sent us three questions. I'm going to pick this one. Um, and, and this kind of goes along with the theme we've been talking about. Hey, Mary Kay. Given the calls, all the, uh, given he calls all the offensive plays, and the Browns are lucky to surpass 17 points per game as of late, why isn't Kevin Stefanski under the microscope like Joe Woods was when the defense didn't perform up to expectations? You know, it's a good question. It's a really good question. And I, I think part of it is that uh, I do still think that he is in the honeymoon phase where, uh, you know, people – remember the euphoria of 11 and five last year and of going to the playoffs and winning that big playoff game. Uh, that's part of it. And then I think that, um, you know, I think that he gets a little bit of a, a hall pass this year because his quarterback has been injured. His uh, number one receiver bolted. His number two receiver has been injured. Now they're, they're down their right tackle. I just think it's been a weird year offensively. And so I think people are in wait and see mode about this offense. I mean, Kareem Hunt missed a huge chunk of the season. Nick Chubb missed time. And so I, I think that has something to do with it. I think people are attributing it to um, some of the lack of continuity on offense. Yeah, I, th I think that's a big part. Like last year, we weren't coming out of the year thinking, man, Joe Woods, Joe Woods defense was great. But we, I mean, we also knew he didn't have the personnel, right? We said that over and over again. Like Joe Woods doesn't have the personnel to run the defense he wants to run. Right. So, and then I think this year when they got off to a little bit of a slow start and gave, had some big games where they gave up a bunch of points, um, you know, he, he kind of came under fire. But, you know, I do think it's time to say, hey, Joe, Joe Woods has done a pretty good job. Like of, of the two, he's done the better job this year. And I don't think there's much argument. Yeah, and that's true. But I mean, I do. You're right about that. But I think what's happening right now is you can see the impact that injuries and health have on a side of the ball and, and have on a football team. And it's huge. I mean, it really is huge. And you can see it when you look at the Ravens right now. I mean, there's only so much you can do when you lose three of your starting defensive backs and you lose your right tackle, and you lose your two running backs. I mean, it starts to take a toll after a while. But what's happening right now with the Browns defense, they're all coming back. They're coming back healthy. They're growing up. The young guys, the lights are coming on. JOK is all over the place. Miles Garrett has taken it upon himself to play like the number one overall pick that he was. Uh, Jadavian Clowney is having you know, playing some of the best ball of his career, Tack McKinley, he felt supported here and they kept showing faith in him. And now he's doing some really cool things. Um, I think they're very, I think they're very well coached. 
And now what's happening is they're getting the, they're getting the takeaway. And that's what, that is what makes a defense dominant. When, when you've got the fear that they are taking that ball away, whenever they can get their, their hands on it in any way that they can, that's when a defense starts to be a championship caliber defense. And now they are doing that. Uh, they have had uh, eight interceptions in their last five games, and now they've got uh, three fumbles in their last uh, four or five games. So the takeaways are coming, and they're going to keep coming. I think they're going to keep coming because they can get that pressure, and now they've got the guys in the back end, and they're deep. They're pretty deep in the back end. They're pretty deep. Um, so I just think that it's a lot easier to be a really, really good coach when your really, really good players are available to you. Yeah, I, I mean, so much of it is we talk about elite playmakers, and the reality is, you know, we we talk so much about coaches and and like it. It's a lot of times it comes down to the to the guys you have, and that's not to take anything away from Joe Woods. He's like I said, he's been really good putting this defense together holding it together through some injuries and they're playing absolutely dominant. But if he does this, if he keeps doing this, I don't know if he'll get head coaching interviews this off season, but if he puts another year together like this, he's going to start to get some of that buzz or at least he should. Um, but a lot of it comes down to like miles Garrett is one of one of, if not the best edge rushers in the game and he's playing like it and Denzel Ward right? That's the second most important position, or maybe the most important position, depending who you ask. He's playing like a number one corner. Mm-hmm. You know, if he doesn't make that tackle yesterday, Rashad Bateman gets a first down and he, he made the game. He made the game saving play. It was that when your stars are out there making plays that just takes your, your defense and your scheme to a whole nother level. I mean, it really does. Sometimes people underestimate uh, just the impact of those star players, especially at the key positions. I mean, think about the difference between uh, San Francisco's defense with Nick Bosa and without Nick Bosa last year, right? right? Completely different defense. I mean, completely different. You take TJ Watt out of the Steelers defense, completely different defense. And that, that brings us to, I'm still on team dominant edge rusher. I, I still, I mean, I know that it's, it's kind of six of one half, half a dozen of the other in terms of which position is uh, the more elite or premium position, but I'll tell you what, there's nothing like a scary edge rusher come blowing off uh, the edge and coming after your quarterback and raking the ball, sacking him and raking the ball out of his hand. I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing like that. Well, and here's why I'll agree with you, because I think it's about, I think coaches value pressure, right? And Bill Belichick had a really great answer to this question earlier this season about like, yeah, sacks are great, but pressures, like Mm -hmm. pressures are what they value. And I asked Kevin about that today. And he said, it's because when you create pressure, like when you sack a guy, that's great. That's a sack. Mm-hmm. But when you pressure a guy and get him off his spot and get him moving and make him throw the ball earlier than he wants to, that's when you start getting tipped balls and interceptions and turnovers. Mm-hmm. And um, that, so, yeah, I think, and, and when you, you can scheme up pressure, but when you have Miles Garrett, <laughs> Jadavian Clowney, you don't have to scheme up a whole lot. Those two guys can just go after. 
Yes. And you know what? Uh, a corollary to that in terms of the pressure is the fact that now with all these running quarterbacks that you have now, you're not necessarily going to get the sacks all the time. I mean, you will get them at times because some of them do not have, you know, good protection at all, but you have seen what tremendous pressure can do to a Lamar Jackson who normally, you know, he, he can escape and whatever, but now these guys are really getting pressured. I think that the defenses are starting to kind of figure out a little bit better how to, how to pressure and manage and handle some of these running quarterbacks. I mean, that's why you're, you're drafting the JOKs of the NFL, right? I mean, look at the impact that you, you know, that you can have when you, when you add a JOK to your defense, when you've got a running quarterback. So, um, so you're right. The pressure means I think even more so now when, when you're dealing with all these dual threat quarterbacks. So along these lines, there was another question about this defense and, and it comes from Paul Spencer in New York city, a little trivia about Paul, by the way, he was on a, an episode of planet money, which is an NPR podcast apparently works in advertising. He wrote a, a really famous ad. So shout out, Paul. Uh, I know who you are. I think you follow me. You, I don't think I know you follow me on Twitter. Uh, Paul Spencer from New York city. Hey, Mary Kay. It's hard to believe not all that long ago, people were calling for Joe Woods's job. Like we we're talking about now I'd say it's a pretty sure bet. He'll be back next season, but how can this defense improve from what we've seen? Well, I think, Dan, you can attest to the fact that I, I was never on the uh, on Joe Woods' case. I, this whole entire season, I was True. never I was never on his case because we stood out there and watched that defense in practice every single day in training camp. And I watched the defense very closely every single day in practice. And I mean, very closely, like I could tell you who's having a bad day. I can tell you who's tired. I can tell you who's having a good day, uh, who's poised to have a good game, who's in a bad mood. Um, so I don't know. I feel sort of plugged in uh, to the defensive side of the ball this season for, you know, for whatever reason, I've never been on Joe Woods case. I always knew it was going to come together. There were just too many good guys that they added to this team. It just needed a little time to marinate. It needed time. You have to figure out who's playing where, who's going to look good, you know, in this formation. How are we going to do the dime defense? Who are the safeties going to be? I mean, it took a while for Grant Delpit to come back and sort of start to find his way. It took a while to figure out where do we want to play John Johnson? Do we need him at the deep safety all the time or should we move him around a little bit and let him feel more comfortable that way? It took a little while for you know, Malik Jackson to find his way. Now, JOK starting, the lights are starting to come on. He missed time. Uh, they needed to come together and figure it out. And now it's starting to be dynamite. I mean, dynamite to the point where that's why I think this team can make the playoffs because this defense is scary. And I think that any offense in the NFL, if they had to give you right now at this moment, some defenses that they wouldn't want to face to try to get into the playoffs or to win a playoff game. I think there are a lot of teams that would pick the Cleveland Browns because who wants to deal with miles Jadavian tack JOK Greg Newsome, Grant Delpit. I mean, Denzel, Denzel Ward. <laughs> I mean, this is starting to be a dominant defense. 
even the, I mean, even the, they changed signal callers when Anthony Walker got hurt. Um, and, and he was, I mean, he was the signal caller all through camp, then he gets hurt. And now it's been John Johnson ever since. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, even that, you know, it's, it's not a huge deal, but it does matter who's calling the, who's calling the signals. And he did that in LA for, um, before he signed here, but, you know, even that's something that I had to kind of adjust to and get used to, because it's not traditional, even though he did it in, with the Rams, it's not traditional that your safety would be your, it's almost always your, your Mike linebacker, but obviously John's the guy they want doing it. Right. Like you said, and that was an adjustment period for everyone involved. And, and they were trying, you know, with some different formations, they're trying different schemes and look, there have been times this season, obviously that even miles Garrett has come out and has been critical of the game plans. And I think that, you know, that they have looked at that and they have adjusted things. And I think that it was pretty obvious that uh, Joe Woods dialed up the pressure and and, you know, tore a page from the Miami dolphins blueprint and blitzed the heck out of Lamar Jackson in the, the last couple of games. And they were very, very aggressive that way. And, um, and so there's been a growth period from that standpoint too. So everybody's grown up in this defense, including Joe Wills. Okay. Last question here. And, you know, you said it in the text you sent out asking for questions. You've said it a few times on the pod over the last couple of days, Dave in Cleveland about the Browns making the playoffs, Dave in Cleveland, uh, asks, hey, Mary Kay, you predicted that the two games against the Ravens would determine the season for the Browns. Did those games live up to your expectations? Those games got real weird. <laughs> I, I think we all kind of expected this would be sort of where the AFC North hinged, and the games just got weird on us. Well, you know, in the end, it could prove to be that that was the yeah. case because the Ravens losing that game and losing Lamar Jackson to a sprained ankle in that game, that could have changed the course of the AFC North for the, for the rest of the season and determined who is going to be the winner. If they had won that game yesterday, then I think they would have still had a very good chance of, of winning the division. But now they seem kind of broken to me. I, losing Marlon Humphrey and then Lamar Jackson spring, spraining his ankle and losing that game, I just think that, uh, you know, it's there for the taking now. It is there for the taking. I mean, think about this. I wrote about this this morning. The Cleveland Browns are hosting the kind of a mess Raiders right now. I mean, they just got. Not just kind of a mess. (laughs) Right? I mean, they just got just annihilated by the Chiefs. So they have to come off that emotional beatdown. They have a short week playing the game on a Saturday. They have to come cross country to play it. And I just think that I'm calling it right now. The Browns are winning that football game. They're going to win that game. And I think the Ravens are probably going to lose to the Packers at home because they don't have a defense. I mean, you, you even tweeted something out yesterday about, Oh, you know, John Harbaugh wasn't exaggerating when he said he doesn't have any cornerbacks. Right. Right. I mean, they, they made a couple of plays, but you take Marlon Humphrey, out of that defense. And then yesterday also take Calais Campbell out of that defense. Forget it. I mean, forget it. And they're not getting Marlon Humphrey back. I think the Ravens, I, I think they're done. I don't think they're winning the division. They've got too tough of the rest of the way. I just don't think they're winning the division. I don't, I think it's there for the Browns to win the division. Still. I really do. Yeah. I've been saying, don't, uh, 
Browns fans shouldn't make plans for that Sunday night on January 9th because that Bengals Browns game could be for the AFC North and it probably would end up flexed into that Sunday night spot if that's the case. And one other thing about the, cause I just looked this up one other note about the Raiders on top of losing their head coach this year, losing their, their deep threat wide receiver and Henry Ruggs, uh, whatever happened on Sunday in Kansas city, Darren Waller is still questionable this week. Um, and he's the guy that could really, he's the guy that would really give the Browns trouble. Um, I mean, he's one of the best tight ends, uh, one of the best three tight ends in the game. And, uh, and we saw what Mark Andrews did to this team over the last two games. So, you know, he'd really be the guy that I'd be worried about. So if he doesn't play, that makes it even like, you, you got to go win this game Browns. Oh gosh, absolutely. 100%. <laughs> I mean, there, there, it's just no question. I mean, they, it's not a choice for them to lose this game and they're not going to lose it. Like you said, uh, if Darren Waller plays, it's going to make it a lot tougher. It will make it a lot tougher and they can get some pressure. And that's the yeah. area where if you can get pressure uh, on Baker Mayfield right now, uh, you can make life difficult. I mean, let's, let's be honest. The offense only scored 17 points again yesterday. Now they were in position to score another three and Chase McLaughlin missed the field goal, but uh, no matter how you slice it, the offense for the eighth time in the last 10 games only scored 17 points. So if you can continue to get that pressure and Jack Conklin is not coming back, uh, but James, James Hudson had a pretty good game, but still, if you can somehow uh, pressure Baker Mayfield into errant passes, then, you know, that's where defenses are going to have to try to make their hay in these next several games. But there's just no, I just can't see any universe in which the Browns lose to the Raiders. And I cannot see the Ravens losing to Aaron Rodgers. I just, I just can't Be, I just, beating, beating Aaron. Rodgers. I mean, I mean, I mean, yeah. I, I just can't see, sorry about that. <laughs> it's been I, a long day. It has been a long day. I've been at a charity event today, <laughs> all over the road. Uh, but seriously, I mean, can you see that happening with that, with that? No. And you know, look, crazy things happen in the NFL. We, we know that, but um, no, if the Browns lose this game to the Raiders, we, we, we aren't allowed to use the word playoffs in the post game pod. Yeah, that's our that's our rule. We're not allowed to talk about the playoffs in the postgame pod if the Browns lose to the Raiders on Saturday. Yeah. And I mean, it's not going to happen. So what I think is going to happen is um, I think they're they're going to beat the Raiders and the Ravens are going to lose to the Packers. The Browns will end up in first place in the AFC North Saturday by 730 or 8 p.m. I think they will be in first place in the AFC North. Well, the Ravens won't have played yet. So yeah, we won't right. know that for sure. Yeah. But but they'll have their win. Yes. They'll, they'll have, have the win their in win. pocket. They'll have their win in pocket. So I think they will be in first place. Then they're going to have to go play a tough game up in Green Bay. But I will tell you this, as I said before, the defense is starting to play at a playoff slash almost championship clip. And I think they can give any offense trouble with the pressure that they can get now it's coming so that game's going to be tough to win but not impossible so let's say that's a loss that brings you to the Steelers in Pittsburgh and the Bengals at home in the finale the Steelers game is one that you might have to worry about a little bit 
Now, Ben is like a little statue back there. Not a little. He's a big <laughs> statue. He's the Statue of Liberty back there. Um, but if you can get to him somehow and get him off of his game and get some turnovers, you know, that's how you're going to have to defend him because their defense can come to play. And we know what's going to happen that game. It's going to be a very emotional game in Ben's potential last game ever in Heinz Field. Every single one of those teammates are going to want to give him a proper send-off. And every single one of those fans is going to be really loud and it's going to be emotional. And he's going to be dialed in and he's going to want to have a really good game. And even if they're out of it, he will take satisfaction in trying to keep the Browns out of the playoffs. That game is going to be meaningful for him. So that that's one they're going to have to be a little bit careful about. And then as far as the Bengals are concerned, if Jamar Chase doesn't get rattled the way he did in the first game when Denzel just took him out of his game uh, right from the start, if he comes to play and has his head in the game, you know, the Bengals game could be tough if Joe Mixon's healthy and their defense plays well. But it just seems like the Browns match up well against the Bengals, obviously, what happened in the first meeting. So I think they can beat everybody except for maybe the Packers. And in that case, they're in. Well, there we go. There's your path. <laughs> but like, like I said, I'm, I'm just making plans now to be up very late on January 9th into the early hours of January 10th. I think um, there's a very good chance if things play out the way they could that uh, Al and Chris will be making a trip to Cleveland for that flex game on, uh, in, in week 18. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the uh, Hey Mary Kay Orange and Brown Talk podcast. If you're not a Football Insider subscriber, you should be. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get all the info and get signed up. And of course, make sure you're subscribed to our podcast wherever you listen to your podcast so it shows up right on your phone or device uh, as, soon as, we, uh, as soon as it goes live. All right, Mary Kay, I'll talk to you later. Sounds great. <laughs>